In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Last spring, I visited my parents in Arizona over Memorial Day weekend, along with one of my brothers. I'm not going to say which brother, because I'm going to tell a story about him from that trip, and I haven't asked him for his permission. Plus, he's an attorney, so I really need to be careful. The story goes like this. On Sunday afternoon, we ordered takeout from our favorite Mexican restaurant, and we also had a short grocery list. My brother had gotten into a conversation with my dad about the finer points of tequila, so he wanted to pick him up a very, very nice bottle as a gift, the kind of bottle that they lock in the glass cabinet at the grocery store. The only other item on the list was a can of dog food for a next door neighbor. As it was a holiday weekend, the grocery store was pretty quiet uh, late Sunday afternoon. And I must say that upon entering, we were not entirely inconspicuous. My brother is normally a clean cut suit type. And me, well, when I'm investments, I can usually pass for a productive member of society. But we had spent the entire afternoon floating around in a pool. So put him in board shorts and sunglasses and put me in pretty much anything other than liturgical vestments, bake us in the sun like lizards, and we resembled more of a raising Arizona situation, if you understand my meaning. So we walked into the deserted grocery store and my brother immediately deviated from the grocery list. He made an impulse grab from an end cap, which is very out of character for him. It's Memorial Day weekend, he said, the beginning of summer, and this is America. And as he says this, he grabs a massive can of, let me just pause here. As a general rule, I tend to shy away from product placements in sermons for many reasons, not the least of which that there are precious few spaces in our modern lives that are free from advertising. But I feel like the brand here is germane to the story. So I'm making an exception to my rule. This is America, he says, as he grabs a massive can of Bud Light from the shelf. It was kind of funny, but also kind of sad because, you know, Bud Light. What can I say? So tall boy in hand, we have head over to the sacred glass case of top shelf spirits. Now at this point, we have drawn the attention of an employee. May I help you? She asks. Yes, my brother says. We'd like a bottle of... Now again, as a general rule, I tend to shy away from product placements, etc., etc. But as it is germane to the story, we'd like a bottle of Don Julio 1942, he says. Now, I had never heard of this tequila before, probably because it retails for over $200. My brother was pretty excited to see that it was on sale for a modest $170. Now, I confess, I was pretty shocked at the price. This was, hmm, an extravagant gift, to say the very least. So the employee needs her manager to open the case. She returns with her manager, 
who looks at the $170 bottle, looks at, at my brother with his disheveled hair, dripping trunks, sunglasses, and can of Bud Light, looks over at me, I mean, just look at me, and proceeds to ask, are you doing any more shopping today? To which I immediately replied, oh, we need a can of dog food. The dog food is in aisle seven, she replied, and then very politely suggested, how about I keep this tequila up at the front counter and you guys can pick it up after you check out. I told myself I would never use this story as a sermon illustration, but as I pondered our Lord's first miracle at the wedding at Cana, I just couldn't resist. There are many important lessons to be learned from this gospel, not the least of which is the revelation of our Lord's divinity, the only one who could transform water into wine is very God of very God. But the lesson I would like for us to ponder today, it's twofold. The first part is this, that the overabundant gallons of wine illustrate the overflowing grace that our Lord Jesus Christ offers to all people. At the wedding in Cana, they don't start out by serving the guests Bud Light, and Jesus doesn't transform water into Don Julio 1942. But they do run out of whatever house wine they are serving, and upon request, our Lord transforms six stone jars of water, each holding around 30 gallons, into premium wine. St. John Chrysostom says he didn't make just any wine, but the best wine. Jesus doesn't go out and buy one really, really nice bottle of wine to lend to the cause. By his divine power, he transforms 180 gallons of water into, I did the math, 75 cases of 97-point wine. We should probably say 100-point wine. This gift isn't just extravagant. It is completely and totally outrageous. It's ridiculous. It's so far over the top that it's beyond anything that could even remotely be considered as reasonable. My grandfather was in the army, and my mom tells the story of the parties that her parents would hold at the house. When the beer ran, ran out, it was time for everyone to go home. That was it. Party's over. Not so at the wedding at Cana. Think about it. This is a wedding. The family either really miscalculates, or the guests are really enjoying themselves, or both. Either way, the celebration is in full swing. It is hopping. Mary tells Jesus that the wine has run out, and Jesus responds by miraculously manufacturing on the spot a truckload of vintage wine. Such is the nature of the extravagant overabundance of God's grace offered to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is far more than any of us could ask or even imagine. It is an extravagant, completely and totally outrageous and ridiculous amount of grace. 
This is the first part of the lesson. The second is this, and I'll introduce it in the form of a question. What is our role in relation to the abundance of grace that is offered to us through our Lord Jesus Christ? Let's imagine just for a moment what it must have been like as a guest at that wedding. Everyone present benefits from this miraculous and extravagant gift, but only a very few people have any idea where it comes from. Not only that, but it's very likely that the groom is given all the credit. The chief steward compliments the groom, not Jesus. Wow, man, you saved the good stuff for last. That's likely the rumor that trickles through the party is what a generous person the groom is. So it is with the overabundance of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ poured out to the world. Everyone benefits from it. We all benefit from it. Know it or not, like it or not, believe it or not, we carry on and mingle about and God's abundant grace manifests itself in multitudes of unknown ways. And like the groom unwittingly getting all the credit, how much of God's grace gets credited elsewhere to other people or circumstances, it is impossible to say. But who does know where this outrageous and extravagant gift comes from? Who witnesses the miracle working? Who marvels at the miracle worker? It is the servants who draw the water. They are the ones who know. They listen to Jesus' instructions and follow them accordingly. They do one small task, and our Lord Jesus Christ transforms their work, their simple act of obedience, into an abundance of grace for the multitudes. Beloved, this story, this miracle at Cana, this is not a one-off story. It's merely the first of many miracles which continue to this day. All those guests benefit from this extravagant gift because A, someone interceded to Jesus on their behalf, Mary, the mother of God, and B, there were people who obeyed Jesus' instructions to them, that is, the servants. Our Lord can, of course, do whatever he wills, whenever and however he wills, but there's no getting around how this story unfolds. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is poured out in abundance because A, someone asks him, and B, others are there and serve him. Would this miracle have transpired without Mary's intercession? Would it have taken place without the servant's obedience? With these questions ringing in our minds, our role, our responsibility, our contribution to God's plan of salvation ought to carry a significant amount of weight. Who is it that our Lord Jesus Christ desires to bless with his extravagant grace through our intercessions? Who does he desire to bless with his extravagant grace through our faithful 
and obedient service to him. We have received freely God's grace in Christ through the prayers and faithful service of other Christians. May God give us grace to faithfully take our part and fulfill our role, not merely for our salvation, but for that of the world. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.